Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Well, I am going to share something with you that came from our workshop that we did at Sisterhood recently. Sisterhood is our women's gathering that we have at our church, and it happens once a year. And I did a workshop speaking to women that were just really ready to grow deeper in their faith. And this particular uh, session that I did, I talked about um, what blocks our freedom. And so I've got three parts where we're going to break this down of the three things that I believe uh, keeps us from everything that God has for us. So with all that said, let's jump into today's content. Well, hey, we are going to get into the Word. Thank you, Matt. You're my table person. And I just realized I have my Bible and my iPad down there. Um, great. Thank you. Um, well, I'm so grateful for all that God is doing um, at Workshop. I feel like it's been so good. I really do love the Workshop, y'all. This is my favorite, favorite thing. Um, I realized a long time ago, I couldn't figure out why I was like... Um, dissatisfied. Like we were having, uh, God was doing big things and we were filling rooms, but I would leave and I would feel really empty. And I was like, why is that? And then through a journey of things, I realized what fuels me is connection and growth. Like, and these environments where you deeply connect with people and you're able to help them grow, this is what fuels me. And so um, you guys know if you've ever been through Holy Spirit group, that's like, I tell Brian all the time, I could never preach again on a Sunday morning and just give me Holy Spirit group, do some fire tunnels and we'll call it a day. Um, I, I live for that. I live for those moments where people like get it and the light bulb comes on and you're able to go deeper in your journey. And so I feel like I have a word for you guys. Um, We're going to talk about invitation to freedom. Invitation to freedom. Come on, somebody want to be free in this place. I know I do. Um, God like downloaded this to me um, two weeks ago, I guess it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, I was like amening myself. Hopefully you feel the same way when I'm done. Uh, We're going to be in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, if you have a paper Bible. Any paper Bible people in the house? I like a big Bible and I cannot lie. There's something about a paper Bible. It's, I, I love, you know, whenever, um, whenever I'm sitting in a service, I like journal on the side margin to remind me what it is. And um, it was really sweet because I always, when we're on vacation, I'll journal on the side, like on vacation. And it's really sweet because Brian's mom, you know, going to heaven, it's been sweet as I'm reading along. It's always on the days I need it that I'll turn to a page and it'll be like, we were at Disney with Brian's mom today and I have like a journal entry in there. And it's so sweet, you know, reading those same scriptures, but in a different way. And reminding myself of the same truth that sustained me back there is the truth that sustains me here. Come on, you version can't provide that. And I, I really believe, like, for your children, um, I pray that the things that they argue over the most is not my Gucci and Louis Vuitton in my closet, but um, my Bibles. I hope that that's, like, the greatest legacy that I leave them, that they'll have that. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, in this freedom, Christ has made us free. Somebody say free. And completely liberated. God doesn't want you to walk in partial freedom. God's plan for your life isn't just to save the Sunday morning you. He, he wants to have the complete free you, completely liberated us. Stand fast then. Whoa, hold up. So Christ set you free. Stand fast then. That means that you have responsibility in this freedom. 
So meaning you could be completely free. Christ has done everything he's going to do, but you have the ownership part. You have to stand fast, meaning there's going to be some things that are going to try to pull you back into bondage. Come on. Yeah, that's why oftentimes whenever you hear a word and it's so powerful, what happens that week? That word is tested, right? It's tried. You think about the parable of the sower. It says the sower went out to sow, and as soon as the seed was down, the enemy came to steal the seed. Why? It's because it's for freedom. Christ set us free, completely liberated us, but we're going to have to stand fast then. And do not be hampered and held and snared and submit again to a yoke of slavery. I can submit myself back to the slavery that Satan wants to put on me. It's a choice. It's a choice. So there's going to be some things that God does in your life along your faith journey. And you're going to have to remind yourself of that freedom. Because your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions are all going to be screaming the opposite of what Christ came to do. It says, but submit to yourself again to a yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. So I have the choice to be yoked with Christ and his freedom or I have the choice to be yoked with the enemy into his bondage. And so can we pray as we continue our time together? Father, I just thank you. This is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, thank you. Every ear is open and receptive. Lord, we say yes to the freedom. And God, I thank you. It's for freedom you set us free. And so we enter into that now in Jesus' name. And somebody who believed it said amen. So what blocks our freedom? And I'm going to be real practical. Number one, I think it's the lies we believe. I love that, that Emily is saying just now, that song that she wrote is every lie that tells me that I'm unworthy, right? How many of us have so many lies? And, but the sad thing is a lie becomes truth, our truth, whenever we start to build our life around it. And the enemy is really good at giving supporting evidence to the lies that he tells us. I don't know about you guys, but there has been times in my life where um, the enemy, it's, it, you go through seasons where the it lies of the enemy are whispers, but in trauma seasons of our life, the whispers become shouts. So when you're going through a time of difficulty, a time of grief like we've walked through, the same lies the enemy has told me all my life that were whispers were shouts in times of trauma. And so be mindful of that, right? These, these lies, I believe that the lies Satan plants in our mind, once he does this and we begin to water them, he's already defeated us. And, and the sad thing is, is when you start to believe this lie, it's like everybody's about preach your truth, right? Well, your truth isn't actually truth. Um, there's only one truth and it's God's truth. And, and if we're not careful, we start preaching our truth as though it is the actual truth. And there is no person that you, you can't talk somebody out of this place. When you start believing a lie, when you believe the lie that nobody loves me and I'm not accepted, then everywhere you go, you're looking for evidence to support your lie. Even though you can be surrounded by people who tell you that they love you, surrounded by people that tell you how awesome you are. Um, you think about kids that commit suicide and they believe that nobody loves them. And, and everybody will look back and go, I thought I told them all the time that I love them. I thought I told them what? It's because the enemy will literally make you deaf because you've sunk yourself into that lie. And so when I think of whatever I think about and meditate upon is what my life is being built on. And so what lies are you believing? One God-honoring thought 
has the potential to change the trajectory of both history and eternity. Just as one uninterrupted lie in my head has the potential to bring about unimaginable destruction in the world around me. So one God-honoring thought can change everything in my life. The trajectory of not just my life, but my kid's life, my husband's life, my legacy, like everything's gonna flow out of me. But on the flip end, one destructive thought can bring about destruction. So every lie that the enemy tells us can fit into one of these three categories. Are you ready? Number one, I am helpless. The enemy loves to tell you this. Every lie that the enemy tells you goes into these three categories. It really does. Like use this as a compass for your life, okay? I am helpless. This is where he tells you there is nothing you can do to change. It is always going to be this way. You are helpless. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. There's no amount of money you can make that's gonna solve the problem. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you just feel completely helpless. The enemy loves to keep you as a victim. You know why? Uh, Abusers get power whenever they keep you in a helpless state. That's the way abuse works. The abuser has to keep you helpless. If, they, if you ever figure out that you can get out, that you're strong, that you're able, right? They no longer have power over you. And this is why the enemy does everything he can to get you to, the, the, to believe the lie that you are helpless. Number two, I am hopeless. And this is when we start to believe that life is happening to me, not life is happening for me, right? I am hopeless. And in all of these, the enemy makes every negative thing global and permanent in your life. So this is where you start going, everyone doesn't like me. Nobody ever cares about me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been completely hopeless? The enemy loves to do this to me. Um, I, I will, we will have something going on. And I remember one time I was pulling in my garage and I thought, it, the thought came in my mind, it is always going to be this way. And I, I was like, yeah. And I could feel myself sinking down into that lie. And I was like, wait, no, this is not global and permanent. I had one bad day. We have one thing that we need to figure out. I've always been able to figure it out. God always gives me a solution. Like I had to remind myself of truth. And so the enemy for you in your life is gonna make you feel completely hopeless. And hope is this, is a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. A confident expectation that something good is gonna happen. Hope is a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. And I want you to get your hopes back up. And and when you go through, the Bible says that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. And the thing that disappointment does is it's after one thing. It's not after your stuff, it's after your hope. The enemy wants you to stop having a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. He wants you to believe that this is global. It's permanent. It's never going to turn around. You're always going to be in this situation. And sometimes you just have to remind yourself, we may be going through a hard financial season, but it's not a hard financial lifetime. I might be going through a season of heartbreak, but here's the thing is seasons have a beginning and an end. And and I want to remind some of you, some of you have been in this place where it's like, girl, I haven't had just a bad month. I've had a bad year. I've had a bad two years, whatever it is. Right. But at some point you just need to declare to the enemy, there is hope for my future. Like this is going to turn around. It's time to get your hopes back up. Brian's dad used to always say a sign of a healed heart is that you're able to begin to dream again. And, and I think a lot of us, if you're in a place where you feel like you don't have vision, you don't have excitement for the future, you don't, you think about things and you're like, I, I don't even know goals. I don't have any. Um, we were, after going through everything with Brian's mom, 
um, we were at our legacy dinner, and um, which was beautiful. It was so nice, and everybody was dressed nice. And but my heart was so broken, like just literally in that season. Like it took all the faith I had to get out of bed, to come to church. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be anywhere. I would have anxiety attacks before I walked into Costco. Um, it was just I, the darkest season of my life. And so we're sitting there at Legacy Dinner, and one of our elders looks at me, and he's like, Pastor Crystal, are you so excited for the new year? What's your goals? What's your dreams? What's your ambitions? What do you believe God's telling you to do? And I was like, well, it's Thursday, and right now I'm praying I'll be able to wake up and go to the office tomorrow on Friday. I can't think beyond that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. And, and if you're in that season where it feels hopeless, I just want to encourage you, it will not always be this way. There, there's a new day coming. God's grace is going to be new, right? It's not global. It's not permanent. And I had to remind myself, and my counselor would remind me, uh, so many sessions I went to, which, side note, if you need counseling, go to counseling. It's so good. A licensed counselor, come on. I love her so much. Praise God for Laura. The reason why I'm still married and Pastor Crystal is Laura, legit. So every anniversary now, I'm going to send her flowers. <laughs> She's as committed to this marriage as I am. <laughs> so, um, but for real. But I say that to say, um, she would tell me, Crystal, you're having a bad day, but it's not going to be a bad life. And, and I want to encourage you, the enemy would tell you the lie that it's completely hopeless. It's never going to get better. Yeah, things are hard right now, but it's going to get better. Number three, the lie is I'm unlovable. And when this happens, the enemy tells us that you, you just start to believe that you feel invisible, like you don't matter, like what you're doing doesn't matter, that you don't have any talents. It just seems like a rejection cycle in your life. Everything starts feeling like rejection. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, when I was walking through the season, I've always felt like, um, like I don't have a lot of contribution to the world. I'm like, all of this could go on without me. But whenever we lost Sandy and went through the season, I was like, I don't even know that I want to do this anymore. Like, I don't know that all this is even worth it anymore. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And, but the lie was, I'm unlovable. And I'm not needed here. My staff would be better without me. The church would be better without me. Brian would be better without me. Like, this is the lie. And again, a lie becomes your truth when you start building your life on it, when you start spending time with it and sitting in it. So, um, but I, I found this through the season. The Lord asked me this question. Why do you doubt the compliments and believe the insults? Why do you doubt the compliments and believe the insults? How many of us know that you can have a hundred people tell you that you're doing a really good job? That girl, you look hot in those jeans. Your life is coming together. And you have one person slide into your DMs and you can quote them backwards and forwards, but you can't quote the person who complimented you. Why? Because our minds, right? The enemy wants us to hold on to those negative lies. Why? Because he knows it's going to change where we're going and where we're going to go. But here's the thing. I love this. Insults line up with our own self-doubt. There are things that we've been rehearsing for years, and the enemy is good at sending people that will agree with those lies. He will find somebody. Come on, some Karen. If your name's Karen, bless you. Um, <laughs> 
He will find some person that will agree with the very lie that you've been believing since you were a child. And so these lies begin to shape our emotions, our life, our faith. And finally, they change the way we view God. When we start believing that I'm unlovable, that I'm hopeless and I'm helpless, every lie the enemy tells you, no matter what it is, it goes into those three categories. And so questions we should ask about our thoughts. This is for me. I've been asking this. Is this true? I have to ask myself, is this actually true? Is it really global and permanent? Am I actually helpless? Is this, is there actually, is it never gonna turn around? I have to ask myself, is this true? Uh, Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are true, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, whatever things are noble, whatever things are of good report, I'm gonna think on these things. Right? So don't just, just because a thought came, comes in your mind doesn't mean you have to entertain it. Right? You, you have the choice to take it captive. And think about this. I talked about this with Holy Spirit group the other day. Um, God showed me a long time ago. You think about the word says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now picture this. In a prisoner of war situation, when a person from the other team comes over and they're captive now, what do they do? They get them. They quarantine them. They ask them, who sent you here? How did you get in? What did they send you to find out? Did you bring anybody else with you? Come on, they interrogate them. And then what do they do? They abuse them, right? They don't feed them. They're not nice to them. They get all the information. We need to do the same thing with our thoughts. Because with every lie the enemy sends, I promise you, where there's one rat, there's more. And usually whenever we start meditating on these things, come on, they're connected with a hundred other little thoughts. And so take those thoughts captive. Begin to interrogate your thoughts. Is this true? Where did you come from? Who did you bring? How long have I been believing this lie? What other things are you attached to? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And when we do this, what are we doing? We're doing exactly what God told us to do. And that lie will begin to lose its power over us. The next thing is, I ask myself, does this thought serve me? Does it serve you? I love what Joyce Meyer says. She said, I just made a decision one day that I was attending my last pity party. And, and I, I think for some of you, you need to just decide, I'm going to my last pity party. Like, I, I'm done having a pity party over the mistakes. Or how about this one? I'm done with letting the enemy torment me over what could have been. Because the enemy, and I, I've talked about this, but I just, I really felt, I have felt this so strong. Maybe it's because I personally walked through it. But that word gnashing of teeth in the Bible, when it talks about hell, it's talking about wishing things would have been differently. Wishing things would have been different. And so hell is a place where you wish things would have turned out different. It's regret over what could have been. And, the, and so the enemy cannot send you to a different place for eternity, right? The minute you're saved, heaven's your home. But he can't make you live hell on earth. And some of you, you have allowed the enemy to torment you with the I regret of I wish things would have been differently. What if they wouldn't have ever left? What if I didn't make that mistake? What if I would have called her? What if this didn't happen? Well, it did. The life we have is the life we have. And, and at some point, you have, to let the, you have to stop the enemy from giving you those tormenting thoughts. So does this thought serve me? In other words, I've just decided this, that if it doesn't fruit, produce the fruit of the Spirit, it's not from the Spirit of God. So if it's not full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, come on. If it's not full of the fruit of the Spirit, then it's not from God. So if it's producing in me shame, guilt, regret, stress, come on, I'm not going to eat from that tree. And you think you're only as healthy as what you're taking in. 
And, and just as our diet, if I feel sick, then I think about, what, if my stomach's sick, I think, what is the last thing I ate? And if your thought life is sick, you need to think, what is the last things I've been meditating on? Because it's going to produce in you a sickness. And so if it's producing in you shame and you keep eating shameful thoughts, guess what you're going to get? more shame. But I get the choice of which tree I'm going to eat from. And so sometimes you just have to pivot and go the other direction. So when your thoughts are screaming to stay isolated, you need to reach out for connection. When your thoughts are screaming that everything's hopeless, you need to start declaring around your house, God, I thank you. My hopes are up. Lord, you're restoring my hope. You almost have to go the opposite and you're not going to want to do it. If Pastor Crystal on her way to sisterhood wanted to keep eating from the tree of anger, you're going to want to too on some, on some days. But I want to encourage you that doing the right thing when you feel wrong will produce the right emotions. And if I keep feeding those negative toxic emotions, it's just going to reproduce more of it. So does it serve me? So every good thought that comes in our head, let's ask those the two things. Is this true? And does this thought serve me? I hope you got so much out of today's content. Can you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on any new content here on my podcast? Also, one of the best ways for people to find my podcast is by you. If you will, share this podcast on your social media or maybe text it to a friend and help me get the word out so we can help others. Also, everything you need to know about today's podcast will be available down in the show notes. I also have a link for you to stay subscribed to my emails so you never miss out on anything that I have going on. So, hey, thank you so much for being here and let's do something awesome for God this week.